Okay, so now we're going to do the third inventory. Oh, I want to mention one thing with the fear inventory. Do it the same way as the resentment. It's one column at a time. So you're going to write your fears down first. Second, you're going to write why you were afraid. Third, you're going to put about self-reliance, God-reliance. Don't, don't work from left to right. We're just doing that because we're doing one fear. Okay, because once again, we're going to get overly emotional in it. So now we're going to go to sex conduct. And if you ever are not sure where it is, it's on page 69. It's easy to remember. Okay. Um, and we now have a, a sick man's prayer and we have a fear prayer. And there are going to actually be three sex prayers. And personally, what I think of them now is relationship prayers. Because in my 10th step, I have changed this sex conduct to just relationships in general. I work this a lot with my mother. Actually, these relationship prayers. But that just shows you, when we start interacting with other people, it gets more complicated, okay? So it says, now about sex, on the bottom of page 68. Many of us needed an overhauling there, but above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes, perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation, that we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it, or that there isn't in the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. Our school would allow a man no flavor for his fare, and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? We reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where have we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? So that's a new one, inconsiderate. Whom did we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this down, down on paper, and we looked at it. So I just want to say 1930s, is a little different than the 19, you know, 2015. We think of sex, we think of intercourse. They're talking about how do you relate in relationships of attraction. So whether you're gay or straight, whoever you are attracted to, how do you interact with that? It's a sex conduct inventory. So you're not just looking for the people that you slept with, you're looking how do you interact with an, in, a, in a program of attraction. And it says we're not the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. So we're not saying anything is right and wrong. We want to get in alignment with what our higher power says is right for us. Okay, so I'm going to go over the inventory and then we're going to go over the prayers involved in the inventory. So that first full paragraph, first column, whom did we hurt? And once again, we're going to do a straight down, doing lists, not going across, but you're going to go across for this because you're going to do one. Whom did I hurt? The next one is, where was I selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate? So you're going to answer that in just a sentence or two. I'm not going to emotionalize it. Where was I selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? And then, did I? So once again, we're just acknowledging. We're not writing about that. Did I unjustifiably arouse jealousy? Yes or no. Suspicion? Yes or no. Or bitterness? Yes or no. Then we're going to, you're going to say the prayers, which we're going to go over next. And the last column is going to be, what should I have done instead? Okay, so this is, what I find, this is just my experience again. What I find is either people have nothing to write at all, 
or they had so much to write about it. Um, so just to give you an idea, you know, my personal experience was I didn't even go on a date till I was 26 because of my obesity. Like, kind of what Brian was saying, I was so repulsed by myself, I didn't want anyone to see me naked, I didn't want anyone, I knew who would want to touch me, I didn't want to touch myself, like, I'm not, I'm not, this is not, I, had, I didn't know what I was even going to write, because um, I came into OA when I was 27. But I had to look at what was my experience with the opposite sex, I had to look at a lot of those prejudices I got from Catholic schools, which was a big thing for me. So one of the ones, I just want to say this, one of the ones I, whom that I hurt was actually some girlfriends of mine. Because what happened when I got to the bulimia state and I got down to a size 14, and I thought, well, I'm gonna have to go out there and date now because I'm not keeping this up for long. And you know, I couldn't believe that a guy could look at me and get sexually aroused. That just freaking blew my mind. So I had to take advantage of it. I slept with this guy and actually had my fat picture in my jeans and I showed him this is actually what you slept with. I mean, I just was so messed up. So I didn't know how to do it. So what I would do is I would flirt with my friends' husbands and boyfriends because I knew it was safe because nothing would happen. Because I didn't know how to flirt. I didn't know how to interact. So whom did I hurt was my friends. How was I selfish? I was disrespecting their relationship. How was I dishonest? I'm flirting with a guy that's not available. And how was I inconsiderate? I didn't care what it looked like in a crowded bar that, my, that I'm hitting on someone whom I, whom I is involved with a friend of mine, okay? And did I unjustifiably arouse jealousy? Sure, yeah. <laughs> Bitterness, my friends are getting pissed off. And, um, and suspicion, absolutely. They, you know, I was so messed up in the bulimia, like they didn't know what to do with me. I, I couldn't verbalize, I don't know how to flirt and I need to practice on your husband <laughs> or on your boyfriend. <laughs> So it's not just about, you know, who you, who are, and if you've been married a long time, how do you act in the office with someone that's attracted to you? Do you use that as a way to get maybe the guy to do some work for you, but that you, when you know you have no interest in him? You know, are you in your relationship that you currently have, are you using sex as a reward or as a punishment? Once again, if we feel so bad about how we look physically and we are depriving our, our partner of, of a physical closeness, which really defines a relationship between you know, two partners. So think of it more broadly. Don't think about it like, oh, this guy dumped me, this guy dumped me, this girl dumped me, this guy dumped me. Is how was my conduct with there? Does that make sense to everybody? So we're gonna make it much more general than this. So now we're gonna look at the prayers. If we look at that second full paragraph, it says, in this way we try to shape a sane ideal in our future sex life. We subject each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? Here's, it. Here's a prayer. We ask God to mold our ideals and help us live up to them. So the, um, just in response now to the girl that was doing all the internet dating, which is ugh, way too familiar to me, um, <laughs> is I always, when, it, when I, someone asked me my ideal, it was very easy for me because it was, you know, over six feet tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, and I was flexible in the six pack, <coughs> abs, you know, that, that was my ideal. But that's not what it's asking me. It's asking me, who do I want to be as a girlfriend, not who do I want to be as a boyfriend? So one of the ways that I worked on my relationships as a single woman is to work on who do I want to be in a relationship? Because am I attracting, you know, I remember I, I dated five Kevins in a row. I, mean, I had to number them when I was doing my four step the first time. Three Davids. 
Three Davids? Yeah. I mixed it up. I dated a Kelvin in between. But um, the, the person said to me, you know, I'm like, why am I dating all these losers? And the person said to me, the problem isn't that you're dating, you know, the losers are asking you out. The problem is you're saying yes when they do. So why is it that I'm saying yes to people that I knew? Because I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel like I deserved any better. I felt like this was the last guy that was ever going to ask me out because I'm going to get fat again. So I had to take advantage of it. It was a desperation about it. So if I can work on being comfortable, being single, and being comfortable in who I am, I'm going to attract that person who's going to be healthier. So I use that a lot with the singleness. Once again, to project forward, in my 10th step, I use this a lot with my mother. I look at what, who do I want to be as a daughter versus who do I want her to be as a mother? In my job, who do I want to be as an employee versus who do I want my boss to be? I recently became a supervisor for the first time. How do I want to be as a supervisor? Not how do I want these people I'm supervising to act. So that, that prayer is really about getting square with who we are in any relationship. Okay? In that next paragraph, whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow towards it. You know, this is not a this is more a dimmer switch than a light switch. We must be willing to make amends when we have done harm, provided that we do not bring still more harm in doing so. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem, which is why I like to think of it as in relationship survey. In meditation, here comes the second prayer. We ask God what we should do about each specific situation. The right answer will come if we like it. I mean, if we want it. So, if you like it. So, as we're, let's, let's say we are dating, it might be a different ideal with each person that we date. We might have an ideal with our husband, and we might have an ideal with how we interact with men at work. So each specific situation, we're asking God into that. And we're asking God into in, in, in the um, context of that relationship. So for example, let's say that um, you're a very flirtatious person and your husband loves it because he knows he's going home with you and these men are attracted to you. So that's, that's perfectly fine. But what if you're in a relationship where the husband gets very insecure and if you flirt, he feels like you're going to leave him? then you have, to, you have to refrain from that. So that's why it's different in each specific situation. You have to get right with what's going on in that specific relationship. Example, if you're in a salesperson, maybe flirting is actually part of the job. If you're a bartender, I'm sure flirting is a part of the job. So you have to look at each specific situation and get right with what you and your higher power think is, think is right. Did you have a question, Brian? Well, I was just saying that as with most things, you're being specific, but like there are other factors. Right? Even if your husband likes you being flirtatious, but you're screwing with men's minds and causing them problems, obviously that's an issue. Right. Right. It's, it's, the issue is where you are in alignment with God. Okay. That's, so. that's the main issue. We can't take responsibility for other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, if, some, if, if, I'm, if, if someone is outgoing and flirty, and this guy is taking it totally the wrong way because they're in their mind thinking that the girl wants him. I'm not responsible for how that guy feels. But if you found out about it, especially if you're in a relationship with them, then God would you know, deal with you on how you're negatively impacting someone, correct? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're not. But That's why I'm saying we're not the arbiter of any of the sex conduct. <laughs> we need to pay attention, though, to how we're um, convicted. We have, to, we have to be aware of how our behavior affects others, but I'm not responsible for someone else's behavior. And that's why I said it's very different. So the, especially when you start sponsoring, you're not going to be putting your values on somebody else. 
It's not about what you're, you feel. So your best values, though? Huh? <laughs> I suggest you do a four through nine on that. <laughs> okay, then on page 70 is the last part of the prayer. It's the second full paragraph. To sum it up about sex. We earnestly pray, not just pray now, we're going to earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity, and for the strength to do the right thing. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of the, ourselves, it quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. So once again, the big book tells us when we're struggling with anything, help other people get out of yourself. Okay? So we're now going to take a three or four minutes. Do you have a question, Claude? I just have a comment. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, One minute, Claude, Just because I've got to look for the mic for reasons. So we're just going to take a break now to work on this. So I'm going to shut off the recording.